Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I just want to say before we get into this episode, which is going to be a good one, I can just tell I have a lot of things to talk about. Um, Before I get into the episode, I do just want to say a huge thank you to you guys for the amazing feedback on last week's episode. I got a lot of messages in my DMs about last week's episode in particular and I didn't know when I was creating it at the time, honestly, that it was going to be such a hit or really resonate with you guys so much. I think, I mean, I was very much in the heat of the moment, just very stressed and talking about things that are very real in my life. And you guys were like, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. I feel the exact same way. So I'm glad to hear that I'm not crazy. I'm also glad to hear that maybe me talking about these things just candidly has helped some of you guys. That's always great to hear. So this week, this episode, I want to kind of continue from last week's episode and talk a bit more about our obsession with the hustle and just chasing our dreams to the point where maybe we're overdoing it because that, in in summary, is kind of how I feel because like I discussed last week, it's you know one of those things where I'm so grateful for my opportunities and I feel so grateful every day. But it's one of those feelings where I stop myself sometimes and I say to myself, Katie, is this all worth – is it all worth it? Is it all worth the lack of sleep and the constant worry that I'm doing something wrong or that I could be somewhere else or that I could be working harder and I could be this person that does it way better than me and I have this imposter syndrome that crushes me all the time? Like, Is it worth all that stress to be in this glittering city doing all this – really amazing stuff. Like I often think like, what would my life be like if I just settled for maybe a different life? I don't know. Which, yeah, it's a whole thing. I feel like saying that out loud. I I don't even know if I'm saying that right or if I'm offending anyone, but that's just how I feel sometimes that just I don't know what the possibilities of other things could be in my life. And it just stresses me out sometimes, the crushing stress of not knowing what could be if I chose a different path, you know? Do you ever feel like that? You're like, oh, I did this and that and it led me here and I wonder what would have happened if I did this completely other thing. Would I be happier? And I guess you can't really think like that because you made these choices and here you are and now it's all about where you go from here. So anyway, 
Continuing off of that conversation from last week, which you guys, thank you again for the feedback. Really good to know because this week we are going to continue in that direction and talk more about just that, but with some other flavors involved because I am going to be answering a lot of your questions you guys submitted over on Instagram. So let's get into it. And to start, I just want to talk about this realization of sorts I had last night at this dinner that I went to. I find that living in New York, it's really easy to come up with an excuse to go to dinner. Like anything happens in any of my friends' lives and we're like, let's go to dinner. <laughs> like I have two dinners this week and that's probably like minimum because I know some will just spring up on the weekends and I eat with my friends all the time, which is really awesome. I feel like that has definitely prevented me from feeling lonely living alone. People always ask me how I get by living alone and don't resort to talking to myself and things, which I actually do. I sometimes do talk to myself, which <laughs> might be shocking to anyone who doesn't live alone. I feel like sometimes I just have to say something out loud and I speak it to no one but myself. But I think the big reason I don't feel lonely after all these years living alone in New York City is because of these dinners I schedule. So definitely a pro tip. Just, I mean, even if it isn't dinner, because dinner can definitely rack up like prices, just cook at someone's apartment. Like dinner in some some way, shape, or form. You can go cook at someone's apartment, which I don't think we've actually done that yet because we none of us are extremely talented with cooking. But um, we went to this new place last night called Zuzu's. And it's – if you guys know Don Angie, which is another amazing restaurant in New York, it's the same restaurant owner, same chain or whatever – not chain, but like same group that owns it. So we were dying to go, had heard amazing things. I've been seeing it all over my Instagram all the influencers have been going. I know I am one of those, but like it's one of those things. This just takes me back to this one Sex in the City episode. Every episode of this podcast, I swear to God, I talk about Sex in the City. But there is this one episode um, where Samantha is trying to convince um, – what is his – oh, Smith? Smith, Smitty, whatever his name is, like her you know, hot young boyfriend, uh, client at the time that – he will eventually get famous. And she goes, she's like, first come the gays, then come the girls, then come the movies or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? There's this like one iconic line. And I think for restaurants, it's like, first come the influencers, then come – and then, you know, from there. Because restaurants tend to invite people to go there. So Zuzu's has been on that list. I've seen it all over Instagram. And we had to go. So we went to Zuzu's. It was in this kind of strange area, so I ended up having to walk a bit after getting out of the cab, and I kind of got like a little bit lost trying to find this place. So I'm like walking around in my long coat, my white dress, like felt very – I felt very cute, like had a good outfit on, okay? I'm walking around, feeling confident, left a very busy work day, but felt very good about it. And I just looked up trying to find this restaurant, and what do I see? I didn't like realize where I was because I took a car and I just, when I'm not on the subway, it's hard for me to like, I knew where I was, but I didn't. You know what I mean? It was like, I kind of just got dropped because I was looking at my phone the whole time, like answering emails. I look up and I see my old office, like my old corporate L'Oreal office is lit up right next to me. And I just did not like realize that's where I was because this new restaurant's in a new development over there in Hudson Yards. And I just did not make the connection about like where I was in the city. Does that make sense? So I look up, I see it. I count like on the building up to see where my floor used to be because I'm just like in awe now, just staring at this structure. And 
I stood there for a second and it was freezing out there, okay? By the way, I'm standing there just thinking about it, thinking about my corporate life, the life I have now. And it was like a fleeting, just thoughtful moment of, wow, like that was my life. And now I'm down here and no one in there. I mean, maybe some, but not everyone knows like who who I even am. You know, I was just like a part of that. And it was so much a part of me for a while, like a year and a half, which like isn't a while in, you know, corporate life. But for me, it was like, you know, it was my all-consuming first big girl job. And it just felt like it was just a moment because, you know, it was a proud moment because I remember the last time I walked out of that building, which was when I was quitting. And well, I put in my two weeks, so it was two weeks after I quit. And I was walking out of that building, very classic, holding my things for my desk, you know, like in the box, very like that, you know, every movie you've ever seen. And I was walking out and like that was, I looked back and had no idea if I'd made the right decision, thought that I made the wrong decision, maybe for a split second there, because I doubted myself at first. And now here I am doing all these amazing things on my own terms. And it it feels great, but it's also like, I wonder if my life would maybe be easier if I stayed in corporate. This was my like first thought. I was like, wow, you know, yeah, it was definitely tough at times. It was challenging having people to report to, you know, there's certain challenges that everyone has in the workplace. But I find that mine now are very intellectual, whereas then it was kind of just, you know, getting my job done and getting promoted and trying to get a raise and like just, you know, all that stuff. But now it's very much because I'm my own boss, I have these more psychological challenges, I guess is the better word, like the imposter syndrome, the fear that I am going to go bankrupt or something like, you know, the fear that there's just so many fears that no one can really talk me out of because I'm not part of something larger like a larger company. Does that make sense? So I was feeling all this, okay. And then, you know, snap back to reality because I heard Colby, my friend Colby come up behind me and she's like, hey, like, are you lost? I'm lost too. And I'm like, okay, good. Thank God. I don't have to think about this anymore. Um, But yeah, I mean, this just got me thinking about just how much my life has even changed, okay, in the past five years. Because after that, so Colby and I went into the restaurant. It was gorgeous, by the way. You guys have to go to this restaurant. It's Mediterranean food, just so beautiful inside. It's like the colors of like amber and purple and like very, like there's a green, but not too much green. And the bar is beautiful. It's really great. So we sit down. It's me, Colby, Adam, and my friend Allie from college. We're all sitting around just chatting. And then I have another thought. I don't know what. I'm not even on my period or anything, but I was feeling very emotional last night, like very in my feels. And I'm sitting at the dinner table, all four of us, and I'm looking around thinking to myself, how did we get here? Like we're all sitting around talking about our jobs, talking about our really adult responsibilities. I mean, Colby had literally gone to Bed Bath & Beyond before dinner to get a new Brita for her apartment because her Brita was broken. Like these are the things we are caring about now, like drinking water and going to work. And we were talking about freaking engagement rings, like what cut of engagement ring we think our friends are going to get because one of them is probably going to get married soon. And, you know, we're speculating who's going to be married soon. And we're talking about all these serious things. And I remember just a few years ago, we were in college sitting around very similar tables in very similar establishments talking about 
such less serious things. Like it was just, I don't know, one of these moments last night where I'm like, when did this happen? When did we get old? And I know we're not even old, but when did when did this become, when did life become so serious? When did it happen? And is is the the seriousness of life sucking the life out of me? Because I feel like it kind of, it is sometimes. I get so overwhelmed by the fact that I'm single sometimes and I don't need to be. I am psyching myself out over something that is a very antiquated belief that I need to be married by a certain age. There's so many options now. I've been watching um, Mad Men on, I guess it's on Prime. I bought one of this or three of the seasons. I'm three seasons in. I keep buying the seasons because I hate watching the ads. It's only like $4 to buy it, which is worth it for me. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Anyway, so I've been watching Mad Men and it's essentially, if you guys don't know the premise, it's it's an older show, but I just, I've only watched one season and now I'm like in it. I don't think I was very interested when I was younger, but now that I'm living in New York and I'm around the same age as these people, I'm very interested. It's basically about an ad agency in New York in the 60s. It's really a step back in time, like to how America was in the 60s, the gender gap, the race gap, the just how money was different back then. I keep Googling every time they talk about money on the show. I Google like the currency or not the currency, the conversion or what it would be, like what they talk about like $200 in 1960. Like what would $200 be today? And like I always Google it to figure it out because I'm just so intrigued by how life was so different. They didn't have cell phones. Like it's just life is so different in this show. And it's so interesting because I've read about it, obviously, but seeing it unfold on the, the TV, it's and it's saucy, it's spicy, you know, it's very interesting. But okay, getting back on the track here. The reason why it's so, so interesting is because it's just shown me like even in the past few weeks of binging this show, I've realized how I don't need to operate on these like antiquated terms of I need to be married by this certain age and I need to work for a large company. I can't pave my own way because I'm a woman who can do whatever she wants now and that should be celebrated. I should not throw that away because I'm scared or I'm overworked and I'm tired. I should obviously be gentle with myself and give myself what I need to survive and to thrive, but I should be grateful, you know, and That's been kind of a competing thing in my mind recently. It's like I should be grateful for the opportunities because so many women didn't have it, but I should also be gentle with myself and know my limits. And it's hard when those two things, you know, butt heads all the time. It's very hard. Anyways, back to the dinner table at Zuzu's. I was sitting there looking around and realized, in short, we are all working. We are all tired. We are all trying to make something of ourselves and we often don't even know why we're doing it. A lot of times it's not even for money. It's for status. It's for ego. And it's because working hard is glorified. There's this New York Times article that I reference all the time. You guys might even know what I'm going to say. It's from 2019, but the title still rings totally true. It's why are young people pretending to love work? Because you definitely know those people in your life who refuse to complain because 
they they definitely have things about their job they don't like, but they want to be this high and mighty person that's like, I love my job, you know? And I always hate those people because I'm like, just tell me how you really feel. That You can't possibly be over the moon about every single element of your job. It's a job at the end of the day. It's work. Though many of us don't know why we do glorify talking about work. We want to prove to other people that we're hardworking and that we love our jobs. And though we complain sometimes, we still love it at the end of the day. And a lot of us can't even explain why. And it's very interesting, but that does not keep us from pushing ourselves to our limits, from girl boss and too close to the sun sometimes. Hate the term girl boss, but it's often used ironically now anyway, but that's like a TikTok trend if you guys know that I fear I've girl bossed too close to the sun. But in the spirit of that phrase, I do want to tell you guys a little story that kind of reflects how I'm feeling right now. And it's from history, I suppose, because it's from Greek mythology. And you guys might have heard of this one, but if not, or if you don't know all the details, this will be a good little back pocket story for you to have. So, okay. In Greek mythology, Icarus and his father, Daedalus, were imprisoned on an island. So a father-son duo was stranded on an island. The king had banished them to a tower, so very Rapunzel-esque, and while they were able to escape the tower, they ran into a dead end when they realized they were on a deserted island just surrounded by water with no boat. So after days of just laying around, staring at the sky, looking at the birds, Daedalus, so the father, came up with a plan to get himself and his son to safety. He was a smart guy and a master craftsman by trade, and so he reasoned that the two of them could just fly to safety, like one of the birds. And his son, Icarus, probably thought he was crazy because they didn't have planes at this time, so how else? Like, how would you fly to safety? So this is what Daedalus did. Little by little, he began collecting feathers and sewing them together with thread, And then from there, he would use just the right amount of wax to create these great wings. Daedalus put them on his back, and with just a flap of his arms, he was launched into the sky. So then he helped his son Icarus get into his wings, and they waited for that nice windy day to finally make their escape. Before they took flight, though, Daedalus told his son two important rules to consider. Number one, Don't fly too close to the sun, as the wax holding the feathers and the wings together would melt. Number two, don't fly too low either, as the feathers could get wet in the sea and no longer hold your weight. So Icarus sat there pretending to listen to his dad's instructions, as, you know, most kids do. And then he was off. He was soaring through the sky, his dad a little ahead of him. And he became so intoxicated by the experience of soaring through the sky of flight that he just kept going higher and higher. As his father had said, the wax holding his wings together started melting from the heat of the sun. So Icarus then tumbled down into the sea and drowned. The saying, don't fly too close to the sun, is a reference, guys, to this story about Icarus. What happens when you push the limits too hard and you end up drowning. Now, it describes a person who reaches a certain level of success but then lets it go to their heads, has too much ambition and not enough energy or resources. And when I reread this story for the first time in years, I think I initially heard of this story in 
elementary school it had to be. I think we watched some sort of movie or something like made for elementary schoolers. I don't know. But when I was reintroduced to this story, I realized I feel like Icarus sometimes, especially right now. But I can't tell how close to the sun I'm getting. Is the wax melting or am I just being sensitive? Am I working too hard or just enough? Do I love working? Do I hate working? Just, it's a lot of thoughts. It's a lot of wondering because a lot of what a lot of us do every single day is uncharted territory. As we're, we're moving into the future and things are just becoming more baffling every day with technology, it just, you get to a point where you don't know, you don't know how close to the sun you are. You don't know if you're living above your means in terms of the energy that you need to do the work you're doing. You don't know when you're saying yes to too much until your breaking point, until you cry about it, which is usually what I do. (laughs) Like That's when I know I've reached my breaking point. I feel, and I know rather, I am definitely not alone in feeling like Icarus sometimes and also feeling like there's nothing wrong with being Icarus sometimes. Like, Aren't you supposed to chase your ambitions? Aren't you supposed to shoot for the stars? Isn't that how we were always taught? But no one teaches you what to do when you when you burn, right? Or where that point is. I think the modern day equivalent of getting too close to the sun is getting too close to your breaking point, to where the success runs out because you cannot cope with just your everyday getting up in the morning because you're either so stressed or so anxious or you just lose the spark of creativity that you need to do it. And I don't know. I think it's all about recharging, but I feel this guilt sometimes when I want to or when I do recharge, when I try to stop. I haven't taken a vacation in years, like a real one, because I'm too afraid to let go of the rope, right? And I feel like a lot of us, I know my friends that are in corporate roles feel the same way. Like even when they're on vacation, they're checking their email. When's the last time you went on a trip and didn't bring your work computer if you have one of those, right? It's We have a very hard time as a a collective generation to – it's very hard for us to unplug. It's very hard for us to feel disconnected even for a second. We don't want to. It's an uncomfortable feeling. And I think that leads to a lot of us becoming burnt out or burnt and then drowning, right? Like that's how a lot of us feel, I think. So anyway, that is kind of it for my thoughts on that. I'm going to continue the conversation as the weeks go on because I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of great insights from you guys in my inbox and also just think about things a bit deeper. I think the first step is getting it out of your body. Like I've been feeling like this for so long and I just didn't know how to phrase it. And I think the Icarus story really got it out of me. So I'm glad that I stumbled into that. I don't know how I did. It just popped into my head and I actually had a note in my notes section. I have a special folder for this podcast and I had a note in my notes section and I looked at the timestamp and it was 2.41 a.m. on a Wednesday, like weeks ago that I wrote this. I guess I rolled over in bed and wrote it and I didn't go out that night. Like it was, I had woken up in the middle of the night and thought about this story. I don't know how, I guess, I don't even know. I don't know how I think of anything these days, but anyway. That is it. We're going to table that for now. I'm going to move in to the second segment of this episode, which I promised you guys on Instagram would be an Ask Katie or Dear Katie. Sorry, Dear Katie. How did I butcher that? Dear Katie episode where I answer your dilemmas, you know, just speaking from my limited experience in many areas 
what I would do if I were you. All right, first question. Dear Katie, I'm a girl who loves the concept of love and giving my all to a relationship. I met this guy on Hinge and we've been talking for three months. He said that he wants to go with the flow and not pressure a relationship. And I agreed because I didn't want to jump into anything. He's super cute, nice, and thoughtful, but I still feel like I want more. More compliments, more texts, and more effort. I'm struggling because as a person, he's just more casual and chill about things, whereas I'm someone who wants to put in effort or loves to put in effort, she said. How do I stop myself from expecting too much so early on? I can't figure out if I'm settling or if I just need to be more patient. Okay. So I feel like I'm going on some pretty limited details in terms of the talking phase you're in. If it's three months of speaking, that's a different thing than three months of consistently hooking up or seeing each other on dates at least. So I don't know which one you're in, but regardless, let me just give you some advice that I think many of us need to hear. I know I need to hear this. I need to hear this every day. Actually, I should probably write it on my mirror and lipstick, but don't settle for what you don't want, okay? Because you're afraid of being alone. And this is a hard conversation to have with yourself because a lot of us just lie to ourselves. I lie to myself all the time when I just don't want to start over again because I am sick of starting over. I feel like I'm always starting over. I'm always just back on the dating apps, hating my life. So ask yourself that first. And just remember, you cannot force change in a person, especially when it comes to communication styles. They have to want to change. And a lot of times they don't because they don't feel like they need to because, you know, I don't even have to go any further with that. Some guys just are like, yeah, no, take it or leave it. This is how I am. I don't know. This is tough. But I think I think you know the answer to your own question. I think you might be settling, but even still, even if it is you being, you know, impatient, I don't think that you should have to feel that way. I don't know. I'm just really under the impression that you can't say or do the wrong thing if it's the right person. And that being said, if you have a conversation with him and say, hey, I wish you would just open up to me more or I wish you would maybe not put in more effort. That's like kind of a strong thing to say after three months, but maybe say, I wish you would pick the restaurant sometimes or just little things like that. That wouldn't scare him away if he's the right guy for you. I know it's three months, but hey, do you want to waste your time on someone who isn't going to ever meet you halfway? I don't know. This could be a contradiction of an answer, but guys are not mind readers. You do have to tell them sometimes how you're feeling. It is kind of a prerequisite to them understanding that you are unhappy. I don't know. Just obviously communication is very important in any relationship you're in, romantic or not. So that's the first thing. It's the first piece. But also you can't expect change in a guy. I guess it's a better way to say it. You can't expect change. You can tell him these things, be communicative, and maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. You can't expect that it will and get super crushed when it doesn't. But if it does, if maybe he slowly starts, I don't know, taking initiative with things and that's him showing that he cares and that's a good a good thing. You can't just expect for it to come out of nowhere if you don't tell him how you're feeling. So I don't know. I think communication is important in any relationship you're in. And so I guess that's just all you can really do. And I don't think three months is too soon to do it because like I said, you don't want to waste your time. So and no matter what you do or say, like if he loves you or not. Okay, love's huge for three months. If he cares about you, if he sees a future with you, he will not be scared away by decent human communication. 
I suggest doing it in person though. I don't think you should text him and be like, I wish you would do this. I would in person when you're together, look deeply into his eyes and say, hey, I wish you, I don't know, would make some plans and talk to me a bit more. Text me, ask me about my day maybe a bit more. I don't know, things like that. Just like little suggestions wouldn't hurt. Okay, so that is my answer to that question. Next up, switching gears. Okay, dear Katie, I hate my corporate job and I want to freelance, but I don't know where to start. Okay, so here is how I did it. I don't know if this is the correct manner, but this is how I did it. So I realized about a year into my corporate job that I wanted to try something else. I wanted to ideally work for myself. I wasn't sure if it was possible, but I wanted to at least dip my toe and see if it was possible before I left my job because obviously I didn't want to leave the security of my corporate job without any backup plan. That just wasn't me, especially I was a recent college grad. It just didn't feel practical. I thought my parents would freak out too. So (laughs) I took the time. I took like, I don't know, four months or so to gather some clients on the side, like weekend clients. It was never taking away from my nine to five work. So this did tack on quite a few hours for me to be working during the week. I you know, didn't really see my friends a lot during this time, but I was really focused on just seeing if it was worth it, like seeing if I could do it before I did it, if that makes sense, in a small way. So I started to gather some clients that would work with me if I quit. Wow, someone is very upset out there. And I fashioned a little like itty bitty safety net for myself with money. I made sure I had enough savings. I really stored away my paychecks, like was not going out and frivolously spending during this time, making sure that I had enough rent money and just life money to survive in New York if I wasn't making money stably from my corporate job for a few months or whatever. So I think I stored up like six months. I forget how many months of rent money I saved up. I don't remember exactly how many, but I had an ample safety net of sorts that I worked on, which isn't always the case for everyone. And it definitely wasn't enough money for me. Like I was fully thinking to myself, if this fails, I'm going to have to go back home to my parents, which I'm very thankful I have the opportunity to do that or the, the possibility. But I was fully like, Katie, you get one shot at this. And if it doesn't work out, then yeah, that's it. And yes, I did have my influencing career on the side to bolster this, but I really didn't At the time, I wasn't really – my heart wasn't truly in influencing and I was kind of not making nearly as much money from that because of L'Oreal, because of all of my conflicts. Because when I was at L'Oreal, a lot of brands were conflicts with my employer, so I couldn't work with them. So I was very limited with that at the time. So I was kind of scared, to be honest. So, okay, on top of that, I also built a portfolio site and I really polished up my Instagram presence, made my my digital presence as a freelancer, like kind of got it ready to go. Like I didn't launch my portfolio site and stuff until I actually quit because I thought that looked a little weird, but I had it like in my back pocket, ready to go, like ready to launch strong, that sort of thing. Then I kind of had a long talk with myself and figured out, my thing? What were my strengths? What was I going to sell? What was that thing that I would start with that would be my my really the bread and butter of what I do? Because obviously I'm going to branch out into other things, but like what is that thing that I want to start with? And for me at the time, it was logos. I was really passionate about graphic design, still am, but that was the, the main thing I wanted to focus on. I feel like now it's kind of shifted to video editing is like a very big part of what I do, but 
I really did love logos and I, I still do logos from time to time. So that was what I was really focused on at the time. So I got my portfolio really strong with some examples of things I've done and really got ready for it, established my pricing, things like that. And uh, yeah, then I just pulled the trigger. I quit my job. I, from the next, you know, for the next two weeks after that, I was like very, well, two weeks, I was, I put in my two weeks notice. So I had the two weeks of still working at my corporate job. And then after that, I stacked my schedule with like client lunches, meeting with people in the city, other freelancers, like really hit the ground running with networking. Networking is huge if you're going to get started and also establishing that new normal of your new routine, which can be hard if you don't have an office you need to be at at a certain time. It can be hard to start in the morning and hard to clock out at night because you are literally oftentimes in your apartment. So I suggest finding another space to work if you can, a coffee shop you like going to, somewhere with outlets, like things like that. Like establish your routine, but make it something that works for you because, yeah, I often do not leave my house or my apartment. I should do it more. I've been thinking about that a lot recently, actually. I want to really get out more, but it's just hard when it's cold. In the summer, it's easier. Anyway, so, okay, that is kind of my top four, five, six, however many tips that was on um, where to start. I guess it's a good starting place. Networking is huge. Just getting yourself ready before you do it. I know you're never going to be fully ready. That's the thing. You're never going to be fully ready. I didn't feel fully ready the day that I quit, really. I just knew it had to happen eventually, so might as well be now. I felt decently secure. I always felt I could have had more money saved or whatever, but at some point, once you gather that courage and you wake up one morning and you're like, I could do it today, you do it that day, and you will feel so amazing when you walk out of your office having done it. Okay, next question. Okay, this is a long one, but a good one. Hi, Katie. I've been a longtime follower. I absolutely love you, and I think you have the experience to be very helpful here. Thank you. Okay. I just moved to New York City alone. I graduated early, so all my friends are still at school. My boyfriend lives here, and that's really the only friend I have around here for now. I'm so excited and happy, but I'm also feeling really anxious, alone, overwhelmed in making this home, finding my place, starting my new life. I'm scared. Do you have any tips? Yes, because I've been there without the boyfriend element. I have been there and I'm, I guess, currently here now all these years later. I guess it's only been like four years, but I'm here now feeling so much more secure, feeling like this is home. And I guess like here is kind of how I did it. I don't know. It takes time. It takes time for any place, but especially a big city like New York to feel like home, right? Like cities are often represented in all these movies as this like romantic place with this amazing energy and these fun people and everyone's happy and busy and sometimes mean but always cracking jokes and everything's great and you know while that is true sometimes and when New York is great it is really great okay it really is it's also full of a lot of sad people and disgusting smells and loneliness and people that scare you on the street and you run home sometimes. It's just like there's just stuff, okay? There's stuff in any place. It's not always amazing. And it takes some time to realize that there is no such thing as like a perfect place. I, Disney World isn't even a perfect place, okay? It's the happiest place on earth. You just got to move towards the light. And I don't mean towards like go into the light like you're dying. Like just move towards the light things, like the happy, the exciting. And sad days are inevitable, but if you find a lot of those good, sweet things to look forward to, they do feel a lot less crushing and overwhelming. I think 
the reason why I have been able to live alone in this type of environment and like get through it. The first, I guess, four months of me living in the city, I didn't know anyone here. And I was living in Hell's Kitchen and I had mice and cockroaches and I was scared half the time and working in a job where I didn't feel seen for the first few months. And it was just, it was very hard. Okay. And I don't think I talked too, too much about it at the time because I was trying to fake it till I make made it or yeah, fake, fake it till I make it. Yeah. And I just didn't want people to think that I was struggling when I was because no one wants you to think they're struggling until maybe afterwards. It makes a good story. But anyway, I, I think that what has gotten me through has been making plans and that doesn't always mean it has to be with other people. Like you don't have to be with your boyfriend all the time making plans. You can make plans just for you. You can go try every bagel store in New York City until you find the best one, which obviously there's a lot of them. You can, you know, I don't know, make a new friend on Instagram or something and get coffee with them. Or you can go walk in Central Park by yourself. You find those sweet things that, you know, make you remember why you moved here. Okay. Why did you move here? And in the beginning? Like, why did you decide you wanted to move to New York? Maybe you're from here. I don't know. doesn't sound like it, but I think people move here for a reason and they sometimes on those really horrible horrible days – can I speak? I'm like having a hard time talking. Sorry. On those really horrible days when they're feeling anxious and sad and overwhelmed, they forget why they came here. Remember why you started and just get out of your apartment. Experience the city on your own. I love personally going on long walks especially on those days when I'm feeling sad. And even when it's cold, like I just pop my headphones in and I walk around or sometimes I don't even wear my headphones. And I like just hearing the sounds of the city. I like hearing people talking and buzzing and I don't know who they are, but they still smile at you sometimes. And it's just nice, like walking around New York and realizing like, this is where I live. Like I'm not a New Yorker yet, but I will be. That's sort of thing, right? And yeah, I also, okay, to the, the point of the boyfriend situation, so because you don't have like your main friends from college here yet, I had friends that were in the same exact boat of like graduating with a boyfriend or having a boyfriend that was living here and a year older or something and then moving here with him and whatever and kind of getting overwhelmed by the fact that their boyfriend was such a part of their life and they didn't really have anyone else. I think that you should make time for you both to be separate. You are bound to make friends, okay? You are bound to make friends. You have to put some effort in. Obviously, when your friends graduate, you'll have them, but it's just important to have your own time and your own things, even if you're, I don't know if you're living together, I forget in the question, but probably, oh, lives here. Okay, so you guys don't live together, but like make time for, for yourself and for other people because you will probably get overwhelmed and especially in the winter. I've found some of my friends with boyfriends are like, at their wits end because they're spending too much time together. So yeah, make time for yourself. Take yourself on little dates. And yeah, I mean, it, it takes time, right? Give it time. You will wake up one day and realize that this place is home. It will feel like home. And it maybe isn't like one of those days when you wake up and you're like, okay, it's finally home today, like on this random Tuesday in March. No, it starts to sink in over time. And I think for me, it was leaving New York that made me realize how much I am a New Yorker, even though I think you have to be here for 10 years to say that like legally. But you know what I mean? It's like you wake up and you're like, wow, I I don't remember a time when I didn't feel like this was home. And you'll feel that way or maybe you won't. And that's okay too. Okay. Not everyone is meant to be here and that doesn't make them any less of a person. So I suggest just giving it like a year or so before you really give it thought because it takes at least a year, maybe, maybe two 
to really feel like truly secure here. But that doesn't mean the first year and two years isn't fun. Like it's very fun here, especially in the summer. I love the summer, even though a lot of people hate the summer here. The fall is definitely the best, but the winter is maybe the worst. I think it's freezing when it's not Christmas. Christmas is magic here, but otherwise it's just like, oh my God, why is it so cold? Um, Anyway, as they say, guys, as they say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So give it a shot. All right. Next question. Dear Katie, what are your thoughts on dating a guy who is younger than you? I'm currently starting to date a guy who is 24 and I'm 26. I'm afraid of what people might think of me dating a younger guy. Hmm, okay. I honestly have never given too much thought to age unless it's illegal, obviously, and unless it's just maybe more than 10 years. <laughs> like, I don't think I would ever date a guy that was 10 years older or younger than me. Well, can I even legally date someone who's 10 years? No, I can't. I would be 16. Never mind. But you know what I mean? I, I just never really give it much thought because I don't think it's such a huge deal. It's all about the connection you have with the person and how mature they feel when you're with them and or how mature they feel and they are. It's not so much an age thing. I don't think age has mattered very much since like middle school, okay? Like it mattered so much then if you were two grades older than someone, but now it's like, okay, that's like two years. It's very much the same. Like half of my friends are 24 and I'm 26. Like I don't give it much thought at all. I think obviously that society pressures women to be you know, younger than the men that they're with because of antiquated ways. And that's just how things have been. And, you know, women who are older than 26 and were unmarried, were spinsters forever. Let's not go back to those antiquated times, okay? It's okay to be older than your guy. Two years is nothing. My mom is two years older than my dad, okay? I also think if you're worried about people thinking something of you, like, I just don't, don't. Anyone who is thinking something of that, like a loving relationship, especially a, a two-year age gap sounds like someone who is jealous or just doesn't have anything better to talk about, which is honestly just sad. So anyway, don't worry about it. That's my advice. All right, last question, I think. Nope, we have two. Okay, second to last question. Dear Katie, I moved to New York six months ago with my college friend group. Although we don't all live together, we hang out all the time. Sounds ideal, right? Not quite. One of the members of our group is my first love and former best friend. He and I had the biggest crushes on each other for two and a half years, but our timelines never lined up. Two weeks into our senior year of college, he got into a relationship. While dating this girl, he continued to flirt with me, making references to our time together. Eventually, I realized that this was unhealthy and I avoided interacting with him. Slowly, I began to get over my heartbreak. However, the interactions eventually resumed and the feelings rushed back in. It has been over a year since he's been in a relationship, and last month, I started seeing someone that has taken my mind off the situation. I feel happy. However, it is his birthday, so her first love's birthday, next week. Do I go to his birthday and risk the setback, or do I miss it and set myself free? Wow, beautifully written. I think you also answered your own question. I think if you're saying you'll experience any sort of setback by going to this birthday, I don't see the reason to go. Like, I I know it's your friend group, but like, I don't suggest it if you think there's even a chance that you're not over him. I just don't think it's fair to you to put yourself in that position. 
And I think everyone will understand and will probably be grateful that you're not there to, I don't know, stir up any drama. Okay, I'm just being honest here because I know from experience, birthdays especially tend to get just out of hand. Okay, birthdays are great and fun, but honestly, reflecting myself, some of the biggest dramas and regrets and hangovers that I've ever had in my life and in my friends' lives have happened at birthdays. They just tend to like get very out of hand. I don't know what it is, like just the happiness, the shots, all these people from college in one room. Like it just tends to get dramatic even if no one intends on it being that way. And honestly, there will be more birthdays that aren't his. I think the fact that it's his that's the the real kicker here. I think it's going to be really hard for you not to think about him. Even if you're over him, I feel like it would just be hard at his own birthday party. You know what I mean? I think it, everyone would understand if you don't go and you can spend your spend time with your friends another time without him. It sucks that he's in your friend group. That's why I've always been hesitant about starting things with someone in a friend group because or in my friend group because it's always just sucky if it doesn't work out. I mean, that's the risk you take. But I think this might be your time to just work on yourself, your current relationship, seeing your friends individually or in smaller groups and making some new ones. I think this is a really great time, especially in New York. Like this is it. This is the time. I have so many friends that I spend time with that are not my college friends. That doesn't mean I don't like my college friends. It doesn't mean I don't like, you know, enjoy hanging out with them. It's just I like having fresh new people to spend time with. That's what your 20s are all about. So Get out there and make some new friends and he will fade into the background like ancient history very soon. Okay. Well, I hope so. Last question we're going to answer. Dear Katie, how do you start the journey of loving yourself again and being okay with being alone? Wow. This is a very deep question, but kind of a good ending to this episode. So for me, when a situationship of sorts fizzles out, this is what I do, okay? And this might sound funny to some people, but I wake up because it's usually like one of those things where it fizzles and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, this is over. Like, this is over. Either it was spoken or not spoken. This is over. I am moving on. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to strip my bed, wash my sheets, dry my sheets, hang them up, put them on the bed, get that all fresh, okay? I'm going to deep clean my apartment. I'm going to dust under things. I'm going to really scrub the surfaces of my apartment, scrub off any just, I don't even know. I just obsessively clean. Like I just deep clean my apartment. I rearrange some things even. I moved my mirror around twice the past year because of two different situationships. Like I just rearrange things around my apartment. I clean everything up and then I sit there and I just look at it all, okay? I look around at my apartment and it's not because I, I mean, I have a lovely apartment that I, that I do enjoy, but it's mostly just, I look around at all these things here and it makes me just realize and see in front of me this beautiful life that I've created for myself. I think of my friends. I think of my job. I think of all the things that I've gotten in this life without those guys that broke my heart, you know, that I've done on my own. And even if it feels like maybe your ex-boyfriend or whoever, ex-girlfriend was a big part of your life, you have done so much on your own, okay? Even if they were maybe a fixture in it, you did so much on your own and you need to remember that. You need to realize your own power because if you realize your power, no one can take it away from you. You have it there in your hands and no one can take that without your permission, okay? So I look around, I think of this couch that I literally dragged down my hallway, ripped out of the box and put together all my own. It's like 
200 pound couch and I like somehow did it. Like I do all these things on my own. I think of all the things that I do on my own and I'm so capable of doing. I make my own bed every morning. I put on my own clothes. I take myself out to lunch and get myself a salad and I pick which salad I want. I, you know, take myself to bars and go meet up with my friends. And then I bring myself home. I take off my makeup. I tuck myself into bed. And it can feel sad sometimes doing this whole life thing alone. But when I think about it, I'm not alone. I have myself. I have my friends. I have my family, my work that I love. I have all of you guys. I, you know, it's one of those things where the day starts again, like it always does tomorrow. And you wake up with yourself and you can depend on yourself. You just have to really see the value in you. And I think for me, it means decluttering my life. So cleaning up and just looking around and seeing it all without clutter, right? I'm decluttering my life by kicking guys out of my life that aren't right for me. So I'm going to declutter my apartment. Guys, we keep taking care of ourselves. We keep washing our faces and life goes on. It does. Anyway, guys, that is it for this episode of Thick and Thin. It's definitely a longer one, I think. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed, and I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye. Bye.